Hello and welcome back to Wake and Jake with myself, BBD, and Wake and Jake legend, Foolish wow. Bailey. It's true, man. Uh, you know, the, the numbers don't lie and the hips don't lie. How are you doing, Bailey? Good. I'm, I'm ready to talk about some players with good metrics, just like I hopefully have good metrics on your YouTube page. I mean, it's uh, I literally had my sales team yell at me one time because they're like, do this more. And I was like, well, he's kind of, he does his own thing. He's a busy guy. He's making top 50 lists. He's making his videos. And I want to dive into the top 50. And, dude, I guess we were just talking about it and it's on the streets. Um, and people want to hear from you. Where are you with the WBC? Because everyone had that fake dramatic week of it doesn't matter or it does matter. Right. Um, the answer's definitely just like in the middle and that's okay. Um, but I guess, ha have you been enjoying it more or less than you expected? I'm going to say more than I expected. Okay. Um, I, I wish the people that enjoyed it wouldn't let the people who don't enjoy it occupy so much of their headspace. Like if, if the first thought when you witnessed that game last night, which was, I thought like just a classic, like one of the best games I'd seen in a hot <laughs> minute. If the first thing that comes to your mind is like something a barstool blogger said last week, like you need to, you need to lay off the internet for a little bit. Yeah. And we've, uh, you know, some, some of the kids on the internet, you know, if you engage with that properly, you get your likes and your interactions and it, it just right. became the, uh, the cesspool that Twitter can turn into. But, yeah, I mean, after last night's game, uh, Mexico, Japan, that's uh, that's as good as it gets. It felt – I didn't – I was going to tweet this, but I didn't know if it was, like, rude, but it felt like an, a Little League championship game brought to life. I don't – Sure. Is, is that weird to say? No, right? Like, it's just like – I think just in terms of, like, the spirit, the yes. players on both sides, you know, like like Randy when he robbed the home run or the, you know, the celebration after the Murakami walk-off. Like, yeah, it was, it was like that. You know, they weren't – it didn't feel like they were millionaires. Right, right. They weren't playing for a paycheck. They were paying yeah. – playing for, like, pride. That's a great way to put it. Um, all right, Bailey, you came out with your foolish – 50, as I like to is. call it. Um, and how many years have you done this now? I think it's the third year I've done it. Third year. Um, I guess what's uh, going into the list, what has changed in your head from year one to year three? Because I, I was, um, was kind of calculating our relationship a little bit, and I was wondering where the line is. People view me as a pretty silly guy that has some baseball information. I think people view you as a baseball guy a guy that has baseball information who's also a pretty silly guy. I was right. wondering where the percentages landed there. I, I guess going into the 50 this year, what's changed in your headspace from year one to year down? I think I've gotten a little bit better at addressing sort of the shortcomings in certain analytics. So, you know, uh, the first iteration of the list, one stat I would have looked at a ton, especially coming off the 2020 season, by the way. So that was a unique challenge in itself. Was, would be like a stat like StatCast X-Woba or something like that. I go, okay, this guy has a really high X-Woba. It's red on his page. That means he hits the ball hard and he doesn't strike out too much. And then I'd probably rank him like really high. Now I know a little bit better. And now I now I understand. I think a really good example of this is someone like uh, number five there, Nolan Arenado. His StatCast X-Woba, if you go on his page, it's good. It's not great, you know, but he's coming off a season where he was like, 154 OPS plus, which means he's about 50% better than the league average hitter. And the reason he can outperform that 
is because he can pull a fly ball like nobody else, like on command. And he's going to hit these home runs that StatCast doesn't think are no doubters, but he's going to hit them right down the line. And they're going to go, you know, potentially like second deck and Bush, you know. And so, you know, I've, I think I've realized sort of the shortcomings as far as I was always feeling pretty good about how I evaluated pitchers because there's a bevy of, you know, advanced pitcher statistics that I understand pretty well, whether they'd be fielding independent pitching, which looks at the three, two outcomes, uh, strikeouts, walks, home runs, or, or something more. But this year, I think with the batters, I really focused on some of their like swing metrics and swing decisions. How often are you swinging at pitches inside the zone? How often are you chasing uh, outside the zone? So those were definitely some new developments. I think, especially on the hitting side, I really refined uh, what I do. Yeah, and I, I'll I'll kind of back our way down the list a little bit because it's a it's an impossible exercise. Um, yeah, <laughs> like it's you will you will never put down fifty names and then the next year will pop up and you just say, well, print it again. Like it, yeah, exactly. It, we nailed it. Um, <laughs> and man, I uh, I'm coming out this week with my my top ten in the worst list this week, which, um, you know, I I do it more so as a fun. As a fun baseball exercise, uh, you, I put a little bit of information in there. I got silly on a couple of them because some positions were brutal. Like, I, I think for the top 10 second baseman, I think I put 14 guys. Um, yeah. Just because just just at a certain point, you're uh, it's corny, and I've been saying it too much lately, so I'm, I'm going to say it again and hopefully start phasing it out. But it's ice cream flavors, man. It's, it's like, what do you like? Uh, you know, picking between... Uh, Glaber Torres and player X or, or McNeil, right. like you, you just, well, one guy is a better contact hitter. One guy's a better co- power yeah. hitter. One's got better speed. One's got better defense. So it's in a way you get to a certain level where trying to decide who's a better baseball player between say, you know, at eight and seven, you have Jordan Alvarez and Jose Ramirez. Uh, yeah, Could man. be more different. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you've got, uh, one of the sneakiest five tool players ever and, uh, Jose Ramirez, and you might have, you know, I was, for years I said the best young hitter is Juan Soto, and now, I, I don't know, is Jordan young? Is he, what is, is he going to casually one dot, like, like like this year? Probably. So, yeah. Um, but let's, let's go to the top of the list, and pitchers is also crazy tricky for me, and I, I'm interested that you said you're feeling better with it than advanced metrics than ever. Um but at, at the back end of your list, you start with Justin Verlander. Is any of that for the Kate Upton click? Be honest. For the Kate Upton click? Everything I do is for the Kate Upton click. <laughs> okay. You know, Even if I'm not talking about Justin Verlander, it's for the Kate Upton click. <laughs> that's, that's your motto. That's the new Twitter bio. Um, yeah. I, I guess coming, coming down from there, because you don't have to explain Verlander, a guy I've been struggling with, and, and you laid it out very nicely because of um, you know, his injury from last year, Luis Robert. And is it Robert? Mm, yeah. I thought it was Robert, and now everyone's saying Robert again, right? There's been a lot of discussion about that. Uh, I feel like he says it more like Robert or something like that. But um, you feel like it's he, like he, Robert, he, just no T. Yeah, he's he kind of uh, he's kind of like, yeah, here, they call me Luis Robert. So for him, because he he was supposed to be Cuban Mike Trout, and maybe he is. Right. Like, I, I have no idea. So it could be. He, he gets... He has a a couple years on his baseball reference that amaze you, and then a couple years that are like, eh, and there's some injury risk. So I think him and George Springer back-to-back are very interesting because George Springer has a couple of those years that you're like, wait, 
he was if he played 162, I think he would have broke the home run record. Um, right. Like when that when you're coming up to that first decision, 49 and 48, Springer and Robert, what goes into that? Yeah, so this year, I think I paid a lot more attention to players who were injured and played through injury. I think I took that into account because I found, you know, for most other people that would make these types of lists, if you were injured and played through injury and then you performed badly because of that injury, that that was actually worse for your stock than if you just didn't play. Right. Um, and so I, I kind of wanted to give these guys, I call this usually at the back end of the 40s, I call this like a benefit of the doubt type ranking. Um, and, and, you know, Robert, he'd had illness and he had blurry vision and then like his wrist. And I feel like the white Sox didn't necessarily manage it all that well. And then if you go back to his, you know, 2021 season, I called it superstar in a small sample and that's exactly what it was. So, um, you know, when you have that ceiling where he could be, you know, a, a legit MVP candidate, if everything goes right, yeah, you want him on the list. And then Springer, he's just. He's just so good. And I think the move to right field is actually going to be good for him overall. Like I, I, I like him in that Blue Jays outfield with someone else in center, like a, like a far show or Kiermaier or someone like that. So, but it's a similar situation. He was also beat up all year and played through it and actually had a really good season when he did play. Yeah, man. And they center field, uh, it still doesn't get fully appreciated enough. And I'm, I'm 33 now. I, I still don't fully appreciate it, but I was I've laughed three times this offseason because AJ Pollock played like a buck, a buck yeah. 30 games in center last year, and it, you should he should not be doing that. Um, so I I also you know as you get a little older, and I guess I'm biased towards Connecticut outfielders as well. You know, kick into the corners can can be real nice for you. And dude, when Springer's yeah. locked in, man, he's uh. He's so good. It it's it's this weird career where he was slightly overshadowed in Houston by their big guys, and then he goes to Toronto. That um, I mean, his best years. Uh, it, it always blows me away a little bit. Um, I I got two young guys that I want to jump to next as you go down the list. Wander Franco, uh, your guy, uh, and Spencer Strider, who I have no clue what to do with because if right, he's yeah. the guy from last year. I mean, he probably has like a top 10 argument. Like, I, I don't know. And then <laughs> Franco, you some half jokingly said the same. Like this, this guy is a young shortstop prince who was promised, got the bag. Again, a funky injury late in year last year. So like, again, putting them in the low 40s, where, where's your thought process there? Yeah, I, I think... You want to you want to find rankings that balance for their floor versus their ceiling and and the range of outcomes for those two in particular just seems extremely wide, right? Like Spencer Strider, if you want to go and extrapolate his whatever 20 or so starts across 30 starts, then yeah, you're right. You're talking about maybe the best pitcher in baseball. Right. I don't know if that's going to happen when you add that extra volume, but that's that's the you know the possibility. And then Juan Franco, you know, I don't think I need to explain like just how good he can be. This was most hyped prospect we've seen since probably at least Harper. You know, um, but yeah. So I think just as as far as ranking those guys, it's just a combination. You try to find somewhere in between the floor and the ceiling. And, and in Franco's case, I think the floor is probably higher than people give him credit for. He's played about 150 career games. He's already like, if you care about wins above replacement, like a five four player, which would already be like a top fifty player if you if it was just one season instead of split across two. Um, and then Strider, I mean, this guy, he's striking out like 
37% of the batters he faced last year. Like he's breaking, you know, all the rookie strikeout records. Uh, so it's, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible stuff for those two. I, um, but yeah, you could definitely argue them 20 spots higher or 20 spots lower. And I, I, I want to take a baby step back um, because I, I did like, and I'll, I'll give a shout out to Trevor M uh, for the guy that he, he lists your guys that fell off the foolish 50 la- from last mm-hmm. year. Um, which I, I thought that's a fun game because number 50 is tough, Logan Webb. Me and BBD just did the top uh, top five pitchers, 26 and younger, because I, I, there was just kind of a graduating class that went to 27 that was like, um, I'm blanking on some of the names, but it was just like, San, I think yeah. Sandy made the jump. I think um, there was just a Like group. Nola's not young anymore. There's just like, a, that yeah. there, like, like there's a new wave of young pitchers from, I, I feel like, the lexicon. Webb, technically still there, and technically had another great year. He's um, <laughs> he was tough for me to quantify because I was like, you know, yes, he's one of the best young pitchers in baseball, but there's, I I think we landed on comparing him and Christian Javier, and I was like, mm. I I think gun to my head, I'd actually take Christian Javier, but Logan, everything Logan Webb has done, he he deserves more street cred to that. So he's. He's a difficult one. I, I think some of the other ones on your list that kind of fell out, you'd understand. A Rendon, Brandon Crawford, Muncie had a tough year. I guess Bieber's a unique one, uh, although that's mm-hmm. – I don't know if that's more metric-laden. And then I thought Brian Reynolds was interesting because yeah. that's that's a tough one. And I, I guess the other name I want to add to the losers list, if we'll call it that, your words, not mine, for these elite athletes um, – Dansby, does Dansby have any ground to stand on? Like, I feel like he does and he doesn't. For for me right now, I don't think he quite does. Like, if I'm talking about like shortstops who didn't make the list, like I would still put someone like a Willie Adamas ahead of him. And so I think when you reach a point where you have players who play your position that that are not on the list, then that means you weren't like particularly close to making the list. I like Dansby. I I think, you know, if he's if he goes out next year and he's honestly, if he has a season like Nico Horner just had for the Cubs last year and all of a sudden they have two Nico Horners like playing next to each other, like that's a pretty good outcome for them with his contract and everything. But I just don't know if he's it's tough when so much of your value is derived from single season defensive metrics. You know, his war was really high, but that's one season of stat cast outs above average where he, I think led the league. So it's, it's tough to say how much you can actually replicate that year to year. That's fair. And that's where I was interested with the shortstops, um, Bogarts and Seager, because they are two guys, as you mentioned in your video, I mean, defensive reputation wise, um, I think if you just talk to baseball field, they're not regarded as the highest, um, you know, defensive shortstops. But last year they graded out decently. Um, and then, you know, Bogarts is Xander Bogarts, and he, he just kind of hits, and he will hit. Um, Seager, you know, at slow start, most homers for the shortstop. It, and projecting for this year, which again is the tricky part of this exercise, you'd assume it even ticks up, which if he ticks up from last year, you're talking about a a 40-homer shortstop um, that, you know, even if his defense is, I was going to say mid, but I got to stop. If, if Seager's def- <laughs> defense is mid, um, you know, you take that 
from the shortstop position. And yeah, you're basically a top 25 player. But um, I don't know. Th- those guys, those guys have become really tough for me. And I, maybe I need to respect their defense a little more, but I guess one year of it is where I'm also hesitant. And that's, that's where, going back to the shortstop position, I struggle putting them in the boiler with Dansby because if he replicates last year, right? I think Dansby was better than those guys last year. Yeah, I, I think you definitely make that argument. But, um, you know, going forward, if I had to pick one of those, like, defensively, I think Xander passes the eye test better than Seager. Like, just when I watch him play, I'm like, oh, he, he's pretty good out there. Um, but I think Seager's about to go just totally ballistic at the plate next season. Like he's a guy that I almost wish I could rank higher. His batting average on balls in play last year was like right. 60 points lower than his career norm, you know? And when you're a hitter, you have these types of profiles and you're expected to sort of be consistent with them. So when you have a fluctuation like that, yeah, the, the shift not being a thing for him is going to be huge. He's, he was just crushing the baseball his first year with Texas. So, I mean, it, honestly, like if Seager goes out and wins MVP, I won't even be that surprised. Like I, I think really highly of him. I ranked him at 27 because I was about as high as I could go without it seeming like I was going crazy. You know, I know. And it's like, it, it's hard to rank him ahead of Bregman or Real Muto or Lindor or Nola after the seasons those guys had. And that's, I, I want to do a little bit of third base here. Cause Bregman, I was having some interesting conversations with myself because I, mm-hmm. I love his defense. If if there's ever a moment, I'm I'm never gonna doubt him. I, I think the the stat page the last three years is slightly lackluster. He puts it together for a full season last year. I mean, it's a really nice season, but where I'm leading with this, Bailey, and it's it's a question I've asked myself multiple times. When we do talking baseball, you know, I'll I'll find myself I was saying it too much. I was saying, like, this guy's underrated. You got to talk about this guy. And you, <laughs> if you say that about everyone, it just loses all effect. So I've, I've pulled back on it. There's a guy who for the past two years has been elite, top seven MVP the last two seasons. He's a young player getting better. Why don't – I think Austin Riley is my most underrated player in baseball. For yeah. some reason, we don't give him – the respect of a player that was 25 and 26 and got better, or 24 and 25, got better, plays every game, and has, like, improved. I, I don't know. Uh, it It's a weird well, thing for me that he doesn't... I don't know if it's the company he's surrounded by or whatever, but he he deserves to be... I think he's underrated somehow. Yeah, well, it's interesting. He and Devers are so similar. They're both approximately the same age they you know are great offensive third basemen who have question marks defensively and Devers you know definitely gets this superstar treatment and it's not like Riley plays for like a small market team or is on isn't on like a winning team or anything like that so yeah I think you bring up an interesting point there and that's I was kind of making that statement just having them really close to each other at 31 and 29 you know respectively I was saying like hey these guys are really similar players overall and I wonder, I mean, BBD, you can correct me if I'm wrong, and I, I guess is it being a too close to the situation thing, but I I think if you asked a lot of baseball fans, if you said for one game or one series you get Devers or Riley, I'd probably pick Devers, but I, I think the mm-hmm. stats the stats slightly point to Riley in the past two seasons overall, but I don't is it Devers like flash or is it 
is he just cool? <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, Devers is cool. <laughs> Remember when Devers was like 13 years old and he hit that home run? Like, it was like an overall this Chapman, like 103 mile per hour mm-hmm. fastball. We're reminded of it every day because it was yeah. goddamn Joe's McFly in the office. <laughs> Whenever his MasterCard commercial him. pops up, it's like, Joe's is the worst. You'll, Joe's will be like, oh, yeah, they're doing another thing with that this year. And you're like, what? Joe's, that's a MasterCard commercial. <laughs> you're getting <laughs> paid for another this, thing. right? Um, yeah, I, I think uh, <laughs> the. Uh, it's so funny when you put all of this on paper because, uh, like everything I said with this exercise, that's impossible. Like seeing, seeing Adley at thirty three and Real Muto at twenty five. Knowing how, knowing a little bit of how you view baseball, I think in your heart of hearts that might have been tough for you because I, I'd like to think if I went gun to your head and that's twice I've used that and I need to stop using sure. that. You need to stop threatening me. If I said who has a better <laughs> year. Adley Rushman or JT Real Muto, I'd like to think a lot of your gut would say Adley, no? Yes, no, I think that's definitely true. One thing with Real Muto for me is it's the pop time versus the run game this year. Like he, mm. if, if they're stealing more bags, he is the ultimate counter to that because he's, he's just going to shut it down, you know? So that that's one thing I definitely took into consideration. The other is Adley, some of his like average exit velocity stuff isn't great yet it'll probably you know get there this year but something like his barrel rate it's not quite to that like real mudo level and then real mudo even like i mean they're both great athletes don't get me wrong but like real mudo is just a freak back there he uh i i've had a weird sheepish grin whenever i think about his last year because man that's awesome like it it yeah. last year was kind of the big like is it is it leaving him like did did catch and catch up to him, and his second half last year, um, he goes nuts, and the stolen bases for himself is still like, how man, like how, yeah, how are you this much of a freak show, um, while just looking like kind of a normal hot guy from Oklahoma? Um, one one stat I dropped in the video is that last year he was successful, like as a base runner, on ninety six percent of his stolen bases, and then. Base runners against him were successful fifty six percent of the time. It's ridiculous. So for him, it's automatic, and for against him, it's a fifty fifty proposition. God, that's that's incredible. Um, as we as we head towards the meat of this, and I I think it's funny because, I, you know, I, as I was thinking about this normal exercise, you know, getting to the top ten, but like I said, I'm not going to make you describe the difference between Soto and Judge this year. Like I. I you know, I, th- I think the people kind of get that. Um, yeah. I do think this 20 through 17, Tatis, Harper, Acuna, Julio. I that was mean, fun. What the hell do you do with that crew, man? Yeah, well, with, I mean, I think I said, I was like, oh, my gosh, Harper and Tatis are by far the two hardest players to rank on this stupid thing because Tatis is you know, electric when he's right, you know, top five, but hasn't played major league baseball in a year and it's all his fault. Um, and then Bryce, it, Bryce was just sort of, you know, I want to, I want to give this guy's flowers when he's healthy. He's a top 10, but he's only going to play half the season. And this list is for 2023. If I was, you know, rating it off 2023 value alone, I'm not sure he'd be even on the list. I don't think he's, you know, necessarily providing enough value in half a season compared to Bo Bichette in the full season or something like that. Um, 
But yeah, that was tough. And then Acuna, I feel pretty good about Acuna this year. I think MLB Network probably had him ranked a little bit lower, but some of his batted ball date on StatCast still looks really good. And I just think, man, like the difference between coming fresh off ACL tear recovery and then a year removed from it, like he's just going to be so much more confident in terms of his defense and even like his base running. And then, yeah, Julio coming in at uh at 17 which believe it or not MLB Network had him at 16 so usually mm-hmm. I'm the one who's going to be like kind of ageist like oh let me pump up this you know young guy like no MLB Network's like right there with me in terms of their list I uh my my how do I phrase this my kind of value bets for MVP this year uh I think are Acuna and Vladdy um, yeah, I, I think I think Vladdy bounces back. I, I think he, I think we'll talk about. I think young Vladdy has to kind of learn by doing a little bit, and I think he had mm. that year where he lost all the weight and he put in the work, and then he, um, you know, he went nuts. And then I think last year he kind of came down just a little bit, and I think all all those Blue Jays might have kind of their awakening year. And if not this year, then kind of when? Like, we're <laughs> kind of can't do yeah. the dance anymore, you know? A lot of you guys have been in the show for three, four years now. Um, who, um, all right, this is where I want to put you in, in a tough spot and a good spot. Mm-hmm. If you had to give me two guys that you think will be off the list next year, and if you want to mm. be ageist or injurious or however you want to approach it. I'm going to go with McNeil. Okay. At 45 there. And then I'm also going to go with, I'll go, I'll go Luis Robert. Okay. And is yeah. that, is that mostly potential injury for Robert and McNeil? Just the contact hard hit stuff years can fluctuate fairly easily or what i i think with you robert them? i personally hate both <laughs> okay. of them yes and and they know what they did <laughs> okay. i just Thank want to be very clear on that. they know what they did thank you um but but as far as uh i think as far as robert i don't think it's injury because it's it's like he's almost in the buxton spot where it's like you know, if this guy gets hurt, I'm still going to be thinking about how great he can be when he's healthy. But it's like, if he just had like a healthy season and he was just like kind of good, I'd be like, all right, he's off the list. He's not quite who I thought he was. And then McNeil, like you're kind of right. The other thing too, is like, we've talked, I'm sure you've talked a lot this off season about like the lefty pool hitter. Who's going to benefit from the shift, Corey Seager, Matt Olson. Does that mean that the guy who can spray the ball anywhere actually suffers a little bit? And, And if, that's the case, then maybe, you know, McNeil gets a little bit of a downgrade in terms of his offensive expectations because he, you know, he, this guy can just, he's got great back control. He can just, you know, hit the ground ball to the opposite field and and get a hit from it. But if the shortstop is standing where the shortstop normally is supposed to be, then maybe he misses out on a few base hits. Right. Or maybe, maybe the even to add on that would be McNeil's skill is highlighted more during the shift times where everyone else catches yeah. up. You know, right? If 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 that's what that looks like, um, and I okay, so I guess positive spin then. If mm. you had two guys that you think might be your biggest risers, either on this list or potentially coming from off the list, and I, you know, my my brain jumps to Wander potentially if he was healthy this year. But who who are a couple guys that you're like, yeah, I, I think if this is twenty, if this is twenty four, like I guess Tatis could jump up to like two, right? So I, definitely, I, yeah. I guess I'll I'll kick it to you. 
Well, so when I was making this list, there were there were two players that I really wanted on it, and I just sort of ran out of spots. Like I just sort of had this come to Jesus moment where I was like, there are more than 50 top 50 players in major league baseball. And of course there are, cause some guys are going to get hurt. I mean, a couple of guys on this list have already gotten hurt. Rodon's not going to be ready for opening day. Altuve, you know, right. uh, Nimmo. So uh, the two guys that I really want on this list were Michael Harris, the second and Marcus Simeon. Those were the two that just like, it killed me to leave them off. And so if either of those guys have big seasons next year, I, I won't be too surprised another young guy i'm thinking like oh he could like he i wanted to put him on the list this year but i don't think he was quite ready yet would be vinny pasquantino i could definitely mm. see vinny pasquantino jumping in to a 40 30 even top you know 20 type spot because he his the underlying metrics for him are just insane he's he's he looks like freddie freeman like in terms of things he does well at the plate as far as big risers on the list obviously buxton if he's you know healthy season i think that goes without saying Adley for sure. If you're talking about like a more established player, I would say Kyle Tucker. Uh, Kyle yeah. Tucker, it's he's at 30 right now, and that's I think that's probably a little harsh because he's just he's five tool player. He's great at everything, and he's he's really just like one slight improvement away from entering into like what we would call like a top ten discussion. You know, so I would say obviously young guys, but. I mean, Kyle Tucker's young, but as far as established players that who could be big risers this year, Kyle Tucker. For yeah, sure. that uh, that thirty-one through thir- thirty-one through twenty-nine, Devers, Tucker, Riley. I, I looked yeah. at that and I was like, yeah, that's. Uh, I don't see those guys getting worse. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, man, where uh, <clears throat> where else were they looking? Michael Harris too, dude. I can't process. Um, Similar to Austin Riley and similar to Spencer Strider. Like what Strider and Harris did last year as rookies, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't project them getting worse. And, you know, you can't can't project a sophomore slump from those guys. And if those guys get better, (laughs) it's... Right. They're both top 25. So, yeah, it's, um, those are good ones. Those are good ones. Um... I, I guess I wanna I wanna finish with and I said this at the start a little bit, the pitchers and just how you how you can really I what what was your biggest one that was a differential with MLB? Was it Nola or Wheeler? Um Nola was probably the biggest one. And then uh beyond that, Woodruff as well. Pretty big disagreements there. Right. And I, I liked your Woodruff argument because he had the he had the weird injury where he had no no grip and when he came back from that. I, I was a little for some reason Woodruff in my head is still like the remember when he got a hit in that playoff game? He got a home run, I think. Yes. And I, like for some reason he's too buried in my head as like that guy. Like, yeah, he's, yeah. he's a nice pitcher. I he's Daniel Camarena in your head. Yeah, he's a, he's a step above he's a step above Camarena. It's kinda like honestly like starting pitcher Archie Bradley in his prime. Like Archie Bradley oh, has the hit. Right. And as a reliever, he was he really hit the triple. good. Yeah. Um, so I just need to shake that loose a little bit. But like yeah. you know, I mean, even Shane McClanahan at 35. Um, I, I know you're a fan of him and his common successes. Um, right. Like how to compare him and Nola at 23, to compare him and potentially DeGrom at nine, who like, you know, you're you're a four-week injury away from being a, a little bit of a situation there and with DeGrom's recent history, and I know we've done the injury thing, and 
injuries aside, there's not an argument with DeGrom except maybe mm-hmm. Spencer Strider if he <laughs> if he does what he does. Um, that with the pitchers, I, I guess, and you hinted to it a little bit, do, do you lean on Sierra and FIP or, or what's – and that's kind of where you, end of the day you have to go there? Yeah, I, I like Sierra a lot. I think one thing I did this year was I was looking more at the um, – the pitch grading type stuff, like the Eno Saris mm. stuff plus or Cameron Grove pitching botch, you know, which is kind of a, a similar approach to this. But I was looking a lot more at that. And then I was just kind of trying to break them down by Arsenal as well. So I'd look at, OK, is this, you know, is this a plus pitch for them? Is this like a plus plus pitch for them? And, you know, if a guy was, you know, able to command, you know, three pitches that were all, you know, above average in terms of the results, like that was something I would definitely take into account i think that's kind of where i landed on uh you know a guy like nola even where he's and and the, the thing with nola is just he's just his command is insane he just real Muto puts his glove down and that's exactly where the pitch is going to go you know and um and when he misses he doesn't miss at all and he's coming in this contract year where he could potentially be getting like paid this offseason so i think it's kind of like the perfect storm for him as far as like having a big season and that's why i mean i think i have him like the fifth highest rated pitcher on this list which is kind of crazy to think about yeah it's um it, it was a little eye-opening for me because again you could go so many different ways with this list and I, I guess for me i and philly fans turn your ears off i you know you you gave zach wheeler a boost from um, you know, his playoff performance and, and yeah. you know, rightfully so. Um, I don't know. I just doing the fast forward to 2024. I, I wonder Zach Wheeler, a guy that used to have an injury reputation that then turned into like one of the best pitching contracts ever. I, I wonder if there could be a potential slip there. And I, I know you said his velo was down. And if you try to predict injuries, you're you're just getting in the wrong game. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, man, the the pitchers list, and not not to give away too much of my top ten and the worst, but I I think I named I think I named like twenty eight pitchers. Just it's it's impossible, man. Like I yeah, you know we we my, mentioned Javier. Like what? I don't know. Yeah, my conclusion was the difference between five and fifteen is pretty negligible. Like it it just is. You know, you just don't know what's gonna happen. Like think about the guys who aren't on this list, like Javier, Max Fried, Kevin Gosman. Manoa, Julio Rios, these are good pitchers, you like know. Max Fried and Urias not being considered top fifty players feels sinful. Like right. for yeah, what, totally. what what they've put together consistently as young, talented pitchers. And by the way, Urias is still young. Max Fried like twenty nine, I think. That was that was a weird part of our young pitcher exercise. It was like, oh, all right. I, I kinda had you guys in the same pool. The thing is, they they age differently from hitters. You know, like you you can be a young twenty nine as a pitcher. Right. I, I I do believe that. Like some guys, just they really don't get it together until they're in their late twenties. Max Fried is handsome. He's got the clean face. Yeah, I know. He looks like he's twenty two. We like him. Um, Bailey, thank you so much. Um, what uh should the people be expecting anything different from Foolish Bailey this year? Any any uh different con not to not to reveal any secrets or anything, sure. but anything you'd like to tell the people. Um, out of the park baseball is coming out soon, and mm-hmm. I think uh, that's something that Foolish Bailey will take an interest in. Okay, okay, you know I'm interested. Um, mm-hmm. I I 
I did laugh on the way thinking about our out of the park baseball exercise that the world will never see as we will never see it as we uh, as we tried to get creative with technology. Um, but um, man, I'm uh, I'm as we go on this weird ride of new baseball media. I'm excited for you for this year. Um, any any Braves any Braves takes we need. Braves take Orlando Arcia starting shortstop for the Atlanta Braves. Okay. It's not our biggest problem. Left field's our biggest problem. Orlando Arcia last year hit the ball hard. Average exit velocity over 90 miles per hour. I'm kind of I'm kind of with it. You could call it cope, you know? You could call it cope. <laughs> Von Grissom, Brain Shoemaker, maybe they figure it out in in AAA and and get back up, you know, to Atlanta pretty quickly, but um, when I think about, oh, what's the problem with the Atlanta Braves right now? I, I don't think it's shortstop. I think it's, I think it's probably left field. Man, Vaughn Grisham optioned. Yeah. How about that? Good for Arcia, huh? Yeah. I think he earned it, honestly. Good for him, man. Um, and yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they, here's, I, I understand your sentiment. I feel like Eddie or Marcel we'll figure something out or you know what oh you know what freaked me out one of the first transactions of this offseason the Braves said we need big Sam Hilliard <laughs> and I don't know man when good organizations make a confident move like that yeah there's something up so I'm I'm not saying Sam Hilliard is the answer um but maybe it's a lot of people might be eyeing a certain left fielder on the Cubs during the trade deadline, which mm-hmm. um, that would a be a certain investor. That would be that would be exciting uh, for the company, and then very sad if he's available and the Yankees don't trade for him. Um, yeah, because that changes the mood of the office a lot. Um, I guess, and I, I've said last time a couple times, but any Yankee stuff, you know, me, me, BBD, and John have been putting ourselves through the ringer of. What the heck are they going to do with these kids, and how does it sort out? I, I guess, do you have any tea leaves or, or expectations from the Yanks? Um, I don't know if my expectations are high, but I just want to make it clear I am an Oswaldo Cabrera enjoyer. Okay. I enjoy watching him play the game of baseball. I hope that he will get a chance to play a lot this year. <sighs> I was nervous for a while that they weren't going to give him the opportunity, but with the current state of the outfield, you gotta play that guy. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that's where it lands. And yeah, man, after when Bader got hurt and he made an incredible diving catch in center field, I said, okay, I think he is going to force their hand and make them play him because man, that's, that's been the most frustrating part, I'd say, of the last week or so. Because you get sucked into the World Baseball Classic. We had a blitz ball thing. It's spring training. It's all that. The Yankees have three rookies that I should be, like, stoked about. And right. I haven't gotten excited at all because I didn't know if they were going to play any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we're all waiting for some sort of shoe to drop there. Or, you know, just wait for Murakami to sign in two years, but uh, we'll get there when we get there. Uh, Bailey, thank you so much, man. Um, I guess enjoy the baseball season. We'll see you at some point, you know? Yeah. You got any city trips? 
Ooh, I would love a New York trip. Maybe, maybe off season. Maybe like a maybe maybe like a little November. You know. Okay. BBD's got room. BBD's got room. Okay. Good hugger. True. Mm. Do you, and you only have oh, and you only have one bed, and it's a twin. Oh no! Mm. I guess we'll just and have we, to share it. And we leave a lot of space on the other side for Jesus. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's just smart. That's just smart. <laughs> Bailey, thank you, brother. Hey, thank you.